Thanks for listening to our podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Peterson Toyota, your local Toyota dealer serving Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor, and Tinmouth, and has been doing so for more than 50 years. Not only will you find the latest Toyota models, you'll also find a friendly and accommodating staff eager to assist you. You'll receive first-class attention, whether it be a service appointment, help picking out the right part for your Toyota, or test driving a new or pre-owned vehicle. Whatever you're looking for, Peterson's expert staff will help you find the one that's right for you, all at a competitive pricing and financing. Peterson strives to be the best in everything they do, and they will take care of you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota a first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Kendall-Messe here with my usual cohort, Mike Rowe, and a very special guest, Steve Ivey of Crackers College Hoops. Man, he's doing a great job. Uh, just wrote a nice recap of the season opener last night, and he's, what, on his fifth episode of his new podcast? It's been so great to listen to, Steve. You're doing a good job. You you are a natural at it, and uh, I know that it's not just me that's enjoying it. We're getting a lot of people on Ram Nation talking about it. As soon as a new one drops, they're, they're right on it. They're like, Steve, dropped a new, dropped a new episode. Get on it. So uh, doing a great job there, buddy, and, and really enjoying that. I'm sure that you are enjoying doing it as well. And I mean, you're all over the place. You're here. You're with... Uh, with Brady every week now, and and you got your own stuff. You're here. You're there. You're every effing where. Steve, I yeah, hey, I'm, 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 I'm trying to challenge. Hey, Amy, I'm trying to I'm trying to achieve the heights of Amy Parsons. I can't even <laughs> come close to her. That woman is everywhere. She is everywhere. It is amazing. What an energetic, special talent she is. She's yeah. amazing. I don't know how she has finds the time to do everything that she does. It's pretty astonishing. But it is great to have a president that's that invested in, especially in athletics and all the other activities she's she's supporting every every day. But uh, hey, I, I know we're going to talk a little bit about uh, last night's basketball game, and we're going to have Milt Palacio on, uh, former great point guard for for CSU back from 1996 to 1999, just went into the Hall of Fame, CSU Hall of Fame, and uh, we'll have a great conversation with him. Uh, but before we do that, we're just going to talk a little football. I don't want to talk too much about it because I'll be honest, I'm depressed uh, about our football situation right now. I don't have a whole lot of desire to go deep into it. It was very ticked off on Friday. Uh, we were in, my wife and I and my other daughter were in Bozeman visiting our son. Uh, it was his 21st birthday out there. And so we went and we were on the town and went to dinner and I'm watching the game on my phone, kind of living and dying with every play and not being present at all with my family, which <laughs> my wife was not happy about and then like it just it just ruined the rest of my night like I just the the way that that game went um losing to a rival yet again um guys I when is this program ever going to get over the damn hump and win some meaningful games that we care about Mike oh, you know ever we've won one rivalry game in the last 20 tries so it, so it, it, it's 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 a tough spot right now it's it, it's just a broken record player, you know. You could go back to every podcast we've done since since the Washington State game. I say the same freaking thing every freaking week. Like our play calling puts us behind. You know, it's a ten seven game coming out of halftime. You know, we're we're right there. I mean, we're we're in this freaking game, and we go we go ace we go under center. <laughs> One back, and we run it up the middle twice. 
it's third and nine. You know, the thing with, with especially when we're playing Calhoun and Bull, they've coached against Jay every year that Jay has been a head coach. Jay always brags about how how few plays are in his playbook. Well, you know what? Those guys on the other side know your freaking playbook. <laughs> they do. And it, when it's third and nine, we know what's going to happen. And they know that our best best route to pick up nine yards is a crossing route to Holker or Horton. I mean, there was three guys right there. And I, I kind of thought Holker gave up on that play. I thought he could have at least knocked the ball down. He just seemed to kind of stop and pick. Touchdown a few plays later. 10-7 game turns into a 17-7 game. Then two rushes, third and long. We actually get the first down. And then it's like, okay, they know what he's going to do. So everybody's back in coverage. Tries to hit Holker again. Three guys around him. Another pick. Another touchdown. Game over. And, and you know, and we made it. We made it close. Uh, we're driving, and our our, our center decides to yeah, throw was... a ninety-five mile an hour fastball off the <laughs> off the Braden's thigh. And early, like wow. he not ready for it. Yeah, that was God. Awesome. Hey, credit to uh, was it Ross Simmons? Was it Justice or was it uh, yeah. Brown? Yeah. Is Justice? Yeah, it was. It can... was. Uh... He he tracked him down. <laughs> yeah, he tracked him down, and that I mean, that was a hustle play, and that that's what kind of gives you a little bit of hope. Like these guys, they're not folding, they're not quitting, they're not sulking. They're still they're still playing their butts off. But we're just a program right now that just doesn't really know how to win. It's like. There's always a, pl- a play that you could get off the field and secure a win that we don't ever seem to come up with. Um, and, you know, we're just mistake prone. We, I mean, the three second half turnovers are just, just killers. And, uh, you know, Braden is young and he's, he's got some time to learn, but, uh, and he, and he's done a lot of good things this year, but he's also, he's also had some moments where he's made some, some have just been bad decisions where he didn't read the defense, right? Like that second pick he had, on Friday night, um, and then some just poor throws. So um, I don't know. But, you know, at the end of the day, Jay Norvell said it. He said 15 points isn't enough in this league to win. So um, they're not getting it done offensively. I thought the defensive the defense puts you in a, a position to win. Uh, but Jay's offense is, by and large, just not not doing enough or just making too many mistakes. Steve, any – I, uh, I want to say one thing. Hold on, I want to say one thing, and and Joel, you you jumped in on this too. I wasn't I wasn't very happy with my co-host. You guys were kind of kind of putting it to Braden on the uh, on the Ram Club message board, and and about what you know we haven't had improvement. We have you know still seeing the same stuff. I mean, everybody everybody puts Bradley on this pedestal, and like that's where we want our quarterbacks to be. You look at his numbers his first year as a starter, his sophomore year. He barely got over 1,200 yards passing. He threw eight touchdowns to 10 interceptions. He had, I think he had 600 yards receiving receiving and rushing. Uh, he didn't have a good year. And they were four and five. You got to remember back then in 2001, 
we had an 11 game se- season, regular season, and we were four and five going into our last two games where we had to win. But that last loss, he threw three interceptions that game. You know, he he hurt us a lot of those games that we lost. So Braden's going to make mistakes, but we got three games that we can win that I think we should win. And if he gets us those three wins, and if Jay gets us those three wins, then then I think a lot can be forgiven for this year, including losing to our rivals. It sucks, and it sucks that we should could possibly be three and zero against them, two and one, but we're zero and three. I get that. I hate it, you know. But Again, if we can win these last three and get to a bowl, get to the New Mexico Bowl, which is what a lot of people are putting us into, you know, a lot's forgiven. Yeah. Steve, did you have any takeaways from the game? Any any observations? Just just, just a couple of things. You know, I you know, I, I let's from a higher level, um, you know, when Jay says you're not gonna win games with uh, scoring fifteen points. I'm going to take a little bit of an issue with that, you know, and I'm going to relate that back to a Van Pelt type of attitude, which would be if the other team has 15, we need to get 16. Somehow you just need to beat the other team by a point. And that means sometimes playing great defense and winning games 15 to 14. So I, I take a little bit of a, an issue with, uh, with that. But the other thing is, you know, yeah, I am so tired of these, uh, of this one and 19, this losing to rivals, three more opportunities gone down the drain this year. But I told a story on the, on Brady's show the other day, I was out walking, uh, walking the dog uh, on Sunday morning. And uh, I had a neighbor of mine who has a dog that my dog knows. And she's a big CSU fan, but she said, I stayed up late on Saturday night. Wasn't it fun to watch CU lose? And, you know, that was a little bit of a cleansing experience for me. I'm sorry. Um, it, you're not supposed to get uh, feel better about yourself when your your rivals lose. But in that case, um, it was a cleansing thing for me. And if it can go on and it's time to move on from that Wyoming game, let's go on and, and see him play three really good games and, and uh, see how things end up at the end of the year. They still have a shot at a bowl game. And I'm, I still like Jay. I still want to see Jay succeed. And I think there's still enough talent on this team that I think they can win the last three, but they're going to have to play awfully well. Yeah. Well, your, your neighbor's not wrong. I mean, that's what we've been kind of resorted to that we have to take uh, pleasure in our rivals losing uh, as bad as we've been our, ourselves. But yeah, as you guys pointed out, we got games against San Diego state, Nevada and Hawaii remaining Hawaii on the road. They have a combined record of eight and 20. And, uh, San Diego State and Hawaii each have three wins. Nevada has two. So uh, these these games, I mean, they should be wins. I mean, if you have any aspirations of improving your season, these got to be three wins. Two of them are at home. You got to like our chances to go six and six, get all three of those and go bowling. But it's hard for me to have faith that we'll do it just because, um, well, what, I'm in prove it mode right now. You, I've I've been optimistic and I'm just not, I'm not seeing us make the winning plays. We let too many games slip away and it just somehow seems to me like we'll blow it. So uh, I'm trying to stay positive, should be able to beat the Aztecs Saturday and then a dreadful team against Nevada next week. And uh, although they'll be gunning for us again, 
I like our chances of both of those. And it kind of sets up a pitfall game with all the marbles on the table on the island at Hawaii. So we'll see if Jay and company can get it done. He really has to. I mean, I think missing a bowl game this year would be a major letdown. I think the fans will be out with pitchforks, which is silly. Um, too early for that. But, um, you know, just having extra practice time, getting a 13th game um, in is all going to be great for development. And you have a chance to finish on a four-game win streak if you do that, you know. So that that there alone would set you up for next year with a little bit of momentum, no matter the fact that none of the teams that we've beat, just so, so think about this, none of the teams that we've beat or will have beaten this year if we if we win these next three uh, will have a winning record um, or do have a winning record at the moment. Boise got the best chance to finish with them on there, and they're four and five. So, uh, but I got to, I got to kind of laugh at the, the fire culture that, that, uh, persists on Twitter and even Ram nation, people that want Jay Norvell fired already. And, you know, I know this isn't where we want to be this year. Um, although we do still have a chance to finish strong, but, uh, I think the program needs consistency. Jay is not the bristly ruffling feathers curmudgeon that his predecessor Adazio was. He's a, He's a likable, he's a good human. I think he's the kind of figure that his players love and the kind of guy that, you know, the, he can endear himself to the community and the program and uh, get people to to hop aboard, just need some wins. And they're doing a good job recruiting. Um, you know, he's got coaching continuity. He's kept the whole staff for a second year. The team is buying in. And I think they play to the final buzzer and they play hard. Um, so he's got to at least get three years and in my opinion, four. Um, so I, I just... It, it drives me crazy. You guys have probably seen it, but the people that are calling for his head and once everybody fired the first, I mean, there was people calling uh, for guys to be kicked off the basketball team last night and Nico to be fired and stupid stuff like that <laughs> at halftime. Like, can we, can we play maybe 40 minutes before you make such ignorance, ignorant uh, statements? So that's uh, just, I guess the, the culture we have today. Well, we, we all know that me hugging Jay after the Boise game was was one of the reasons why we lost these last two games. So, I you know, I, I want to apologize for that. You know, I shouldn't I shouldn't have given him that hug. So to Ram Nation, I'm sorry. I'm not even going to bring that up. The fact that uh, we were basically pointed at as the reason why CSU's football culture stinks. So anyway, Um so anyway, let's uh, let's move on past football. It's caused something me, positive. It's caused me enough heart heartburn and and dismay. Uh, but let's talk about basketball because um, you know, first of all, the the doubleheader last night. We'll talk a lot about the women's game, but they did take care of business <clears> with <throat> Lemoyne. Lemoyne moved up from D two uh, to D one this year. The part of the northeastern northeast conference. They won uh, 69-49 last night. McKenna Hofshield led all scorers with 24 points and five assists. Megan Boyd had 15. And uh, former Cherry Creek Bruin, Callie Clark, had 12 rebounds in just 18 minutes of play. So um, shaking off a little rust there in the opener. Good win for them. Uh, and then the men's team, a little bit of a rough first half against Louisiana Tech, who looked pretty good right out of the gates. Uh, I thought the Rams were pretty poor defensively the first probably what 30 minutes of the game but really flipped the switch in the final 10 minutes bulldogs went up 57 47 with just uh over 12 minutes left in the game um jalen henderson made a layup and then the bulldogs didn't make another field goal for eight minutes uh tyler henry hit a jumper and between that span 
of those two baskets, the Rams had swung the lead uh, to 70 to 59. So uh, a nice, nice job making adjustments on D and uh, being able to finally start scoring a little bit. So Steve, what uh, you were there, I did not make it. I had to watch on the mountain West network, but uh, tell us what happened in that span. What were the changes that were made and how were we able to kind of turn the tide? You know, it was a, Joel, it was a, it was a fun game. Um, obviously I'm, uh, I'm in all in on this team. I really, really like this team. I've been to a lot of practices, uh, and, uh, and I really, really like the way this team is coming together, but it was their first rodeo in front of a crowd. And, uh, Nico had been concerned, uh, that they might have a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of, of nerves and, he, uh, he, Nico mentioned to me after the game, he thought Nick Clifford was maybe a little bit, a little bit edgy at the start of the game and thought the rest of the team was too. Um, and so they had a hard time settling in and it was going to be a tough game. Louisiana tech is a, they're not a, this isn't a, a schlub team. They're uh they're a, a 115th, I think in KenPom.com, So top third team, uh, one of the top conference USA teams, brought in a lot, a lot of players this year out of the portal. And, you know, if you listen to my, uh, my preview, one of the things that, uh, that is apparent is how difficult it is with these early games with teams uh, that are built in the portal. You have no video, no film on any of these players, who, who even the starters are going to be, who the three-point shooters are. All they knew about uh, uh, Louisiana Tech was they had a, preseason conference player of the year in uh, Isaiah Crawford. And a lot of what they did uh, in preparation for the game was figure out how they were going to guard Crawford. And then they were going to go, uh, basically it was play it by ear for how they were going to defend the rest of the, the rest of the game. And they did an unbelievable job on Crawford. I'm going to call out Joel Scott. You know, they could have gone with a few different kinds of defenders, but they went with Joel Scott on Crawford and they shot him to six points mm-hmm a guy who was going to score 20 um, and did a great job. But they, as you, as you said, they struggled defensively and, uh, and uh, the, especially in the start of the second half, Louisiana tech went to maybe a little more of a spread offense. And we're going very much one-on-one. They'd set a screen, try and spring a guy into the lane, made their first seven shots. They were red hot. Things didn't look so good, but that 12 minute mark, they Nico made a little bit of a change and they started uh they started switching, switching the screens on the perimeter. Um, and that really, uh, with uh, Crawford fouling out of the game, uh, the switching of the screens, it put a lot of pressure on the, the Louisiana Tech guys who didn't quite have, uh, have uh, the, 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 the ability to deal with the switching. And you could see them visibly tiring as well. I don't know if it was elevation or just the fact that CSU was playing pretty hard. So that fueled, that's what started the comeback. And then all of a sudden you get a three-pointer from Nick Clifford, a three-pointer from Cartier. The lead goes to two in a heartbeat. And they just kept up the intensity, just grinding them out. Stevens getting to the rim, guys getting fouled. Um, They unleashed their firepower. I'm going to call out one player who I thought did an amazing job uh, in the second half, I didn't think he had a particularly good first half was Joe Palmer came in and started getting rebounds. That was one of the issues through the entire game. They struggled to get rebounds. 
Palmer ended up getting five rebounds, most of which came during that run. And he was an integral part of uh, what happened. So it was key that he stepped up. And then, you know, once they got to that 11 point lead, it was pretty much over. It was just a matter of them professionally closing out the game. And they, they managed to do that. So I know I rambled a little bit, but I'll tell you what, it was a, it was a good win over a good team. And I, I think that's a, that's a, a really good start for this team when you, when you have the two leading scorers are the two newcomers that you really need that you're going to count on and Joel Scott with 18 points and Nick Clifford with 16. And we know what we had coming back with Stevens and Cartier. They came through and now it's just a matter of the other guys uh, filling in and, uh, and uh, building upon uh, building with the rest of the players. No, you, you, you talk about the, the switching <clears throat> both times that, that, La Tech went on their runs. They, they went on a pretty good run in the first half, and, and they did it again in the second half. They were just blowing by our, our whoever was out there on the wing. Uh, they'd get it, and they'd just drive straight to the basket, and we weren't switching on that, but we also weren't having help side uh, defenders step in front. And once they made that adjustment when, with, with, the, with the high screens and, and switching on that, we took that away. And you could tell that in that second half, they were tired and they were everything when they couldn't drive to the lane and were having to settle for jumpers. Everything was short because they didn't have those legs underneath them. And that's when we made that run. And that's one of the huge things about this team is we're going to be deep and we're going to be able to do that to a lot of teams because they weren't, they weren't having the rotations and they weren't, they weren't uh, having the subs like we were, and, and it was fun seeing that. And and all ten that got in, everybody that got in, even even Johnson who, who played three minutes, uh, Casey Evans. I liked what they brought. Just by, I mean, they they kept moving. They they weren't. They didn't seem like it was it was too much for them. Um, I'm excited about this team, Steve. I mean, I mean, you laid it out there. You know the opening, the opening half. It really looked like five guys playing with each other for the first time in a real game, and, and you could tell they they just didn't seem like they just didn't have the feel. It also kind of seemed like to, a team that put it to Minnesota and Oregon that were kind of feeling themselves, and uh, it just I don't want to say weren't ready, but it kind of came across that way. You know the the, the thing that. Uh they really struggled with yesterday, the rebounding. I mean, they got murdered on the boards. Let's be honest. Um, that wasn't apparent in the preseason, uh, the closed door uh, games with Minnesota and Oregon. Uh, they out-rebounded those two teams in those closed door scrimmages. And so it was a surprise to everybody on the staff that they just got killed on the boards last night. And it wasn't just the scoring that, uh, that Louisiana Tech was doing, but you saw the de how devastating CSU is in transition when they get rebounds. They are fast, they run, they run to spots, and boy, can they score in a hurry. Isaiah Stevens running the show, but you've got guys, you know, the, the Josiah Strongs, the Jalen Lakes, uh, Nick Clifford is tremendous in transition, and then obviously even, uh, even Cartier uh, and Scott, they can get down the floor too. Um, and like I said, they're devastating. And that's where that run was all driven by the fact that they finally started getting missed shots and getting just a few, just the, enough rebounds. And they were just blowing right by, uh, 
blown by uh, Louisiana Tech. And that's that's going to be critical for this team. They're going to be a great offensive team. I thought defensively they were actually pretty good in the first half. I think the, some of the changes Louisiana Tech made in the second half exposed them a little bit. But then when they, like I said, they switched to uh, – uh, a, a little different way of guarding people with that 12-minute mark. I think we saw the, the defense emerge, uh, and I think they're going to be improved on defense. But, boy, that rebounding thing was a, a little bit of a concern. I think they missed Rashawn Mabemba coming off the bench yesterday. Um, we need to get him back. He's a big body that will get rebounds. So that's going to be uh, critical that he, he, starts, uh, he gets healthy and starts playing. Sorry, I was muted. Um, there's been some pretty good discussion on the message boards today, opinions on why uh, we struggled a little bit in the rebound department. Someone even said uh, it's just something that Nico chooses to live with because they like to get back in transition. Is that something you see, Steve, or is this just kind of a, an off? I mean, the, the offensive rebound, we had zero offensive rebounds. I'm not sure if I've ever seen that. But uh, is that just something, is that a symptom or is this something that uh, is kind of a, a weird circumstance last night where we just didn't get any rebounds? Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, it's part of the defensive strategy. It's not to, not to give up transition baskets. That's where, a, I mean, a lot of easy baskets are scored in transition. And so they don't pound the glass with three or four guys unless it's a kind of a late situation where you absolutely need a rebound. Um, they might only go after it with one or two guys with three guys already drifting back when the shot goes up. But I will tell you right now, I don't think any of us will ever have ever seen a game with zero offensive rebounds. The fact that you can miss 25 shots in a game and one doesn't just fall to somebody is highly unusual. So that was just one of those things, but give credit to Louisiana tech. They were very, very good. Uh, they swarmed the glass and, uh, they had a lot of pretty good sized athletes and uh, that was, that was part of it. But um, I was more concerned with how CSU, uh, CSU uh, the, the defensive rebounding a lot of, there were some misses and especially in the first half where uh, I had a little bit of vision, a little bit of deja vu from last year where other teams would start playing volleyball against the backboard. Um, and uh, there were a couple of sequences where that happened and, those are very frustrating to watch as a fan, and I'm sure very frustrating as a uh, as, as a as a head coach. Nico was, I think, shocked, and I know the assistants were shocked as well that uh, they they struggled so much on the boards. Well, Joel Scott had 18, Nick Clifford had 16, Isaiah with 15, and Pat Cardi had 14. Pat probably could have had 20 plus, but he missed a few uh, point blank shots. Um, Kind of the first look we got of a, a game action anyway of Neek and, and Joel Scott and um, Josiah really. Uh, first time we've seen him play extended minutes there really. And then uh, Casey Evans as we're calling him, I guess. But uh, what, any any initial thoughts on what you saw from these guys, these newer guys? Oh, I, I, I'm excited about uh, about uh, 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 Josh, or Joel Scott and uh, – and, uh, Neek Clifford, I thought they were tremendous yesterday. Um, Neek maybe did a couple of things that were a little tangential to what you might want to see, but all in all, um, their ability and their fit, the fact that Neek was two for two from uh, from the perimeter, uh, he was a like a 28% shooter last year with CU. He's a good shooter, but he got the ball in good spots. Um, I'm excited about that. Uh, uh, Casey Evans, Kyan Evans, 
played four great minutes, had a steal and a, and a layup, had a uh, pass out and a run out where he tried to dunk over a bigger guy and missed. And that's a little bit of a, I, I would categorize that as a little bit of a cocky, but freshman mistake. Um, it's he's playing. Yeah, he, he needed to lay that one now. Not, yeah. Not high school players anymore. You know what I mean? And so uh, he'll learn, but that's okay. He did well. Um, he did really well. He didn't, uh, he and uh, Josiah. I thought Josiah Strong was kind of uh, just kind of eh in the first half, and you could see him grow into the game. Jalen Lake did the same thing. I think those two guys are going to be so important. They can score a lot more than they did last night. I thought they were just off in the first half, and uh, they started growing into the game as it went further. I wanted to bring one thing up that I thought was hilarious. You know, the uh, you know Isaiah ended up with a double double. 15 points and uh, and 10 assists. That last assist came with 1.1 seconds to go on the Josiah Strong layup, which is absolutely, you know, unnecessary. CSU was up six. But uh, none of us picked it up during the game. They added that assist to the uh, to the uh, the stats board about five minutes after it happened. Um, after the game, I went up and I was teasing Isaiah. I was just hammering on him. I said, you're sitting on nine assists with six minutes to go, and you're just shooting a bunch of crappy shots. What are you doing? <laughs> Pass the ball, get that tenth assist. And he looks at me, he starts laughing. And then uh, on my way out, I ran into Isaiah's parents, who are, they come to a lot of the games. And I said, hey, he got his double-double on that last, that last shot. And they were laughing, going, we were just talking about that. It was funny. We just, we couldn't believe you didn't have that time to exist earlier. I said, I was just gassing him about it. Uh, but it was, it was kind of fun to see. I don't think Isaiah had a particularly great game. I thought he was just kind of Isaiah. He's a best player on the floor. Um, after the game, the coach of Louisiana Tech gave him a long hug and a long talk. And I'm sure he told him he's an unbelievable player because he is. And I think for Isaiah, it was an average game. Um, he missed a few shots. Um, yeah, I thought he had a couple of bad turnovers, but in the end, there he is with 15 points. There he is with 10 assists. Just, uh, just an amazing thing. But it was fun. It was fun giving him a little gas, and he's he's really he's really good with that kind of stuff. He knew he knew hey. he knows everything that's going on when there's uh, every stat that's going on. He knew he was stuck on nine, but good, he figured he'd get ten. Good that, players win. That layup got some people money too. Good players win. Great players cover. <laughs> yep. So, so did you, did yep. you have it at seven? If you if you had <laughs> if you got that line early at seven and a half, that was the cover. So <laughs> yeah, I know I know it got up to I think it was nine and a half at game time. It did. It, it, it spiked like a that. point. It spiked a point late, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you were you surprised to to see so few minutes from uh, Kyle Evans and then uh, Javante jo Johnson? Um, I'm not surprised. I thought, uh, I, you know, if you look at, uh, at where they've been at, you know, if you go to practices, uh, Joe Palmer has definitely stepped up ahead of, uh, ahead of Javante Johnson and ahead of, uh, Jack Payne in that wing position, uh, off the bench. You know, we have that, that top six is well identified and Joe has established himself as that seventh player. So was I surprised? No, uh, Javante isn't. He's a much better player than what he's been showing. He has a lot of work to do in practice. Uh, he's to get better, and we need him to emerge. There's definitely he's definitely a key part of the team, but he's not there yet in terms of being able to contribute. So the three minutes, I didn't expect to see him much more. 
Kyle Evans is behind uh, Mbemba on the, uh, the only reason he played was because Mbemba was, uh, was out with injury. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, he came in and played a few minutes and didn't particularly do anything. Um, you know, didn't get some key rebounds. Uh, and he was just basically filling in space to keep, uh, to deal with the fact that Cartier uh, and uh, uh, had two fouls, guys had two fouls. So, you know, it's, it's, he's there, he played minutes, but I don't think he's, I'll be honest with you. I don't think he's going to emerge this year, Joel. I think it's, we're going to need Mabemba to step up and be that, the big off the bench to come in and uh, be the defensive stopper, get rebounds and score a little bit. Any thoughts on uh, Wright State Friday? Uh, I'll do a, uh, I'll do a podcast preview. I'm going to try see if I can stop by a practice or at least talk to coach uh, Brian Cooley, assistant coach. Brian came here from Wright State and he actually did the scheduling. So he's the one that got that Wright State game. Uh, they're a good team. Uh, they have, uh, they picked up a, a transfer immediate eligibility who played with them two years ago, went to Ohio State last year and got an immediate waiver to play again this year at uh, Wright State. And he's a all first team all conference guy from two years ago. They have a returning first-team all-conference guard. They got two players that can really play that might even be NBA level that can score and fill it up. And the coach there, Scott Nagy, came from San Diego State. Or not San Diego, South Dakota State. Uh, very, very good coach. Very, uh, very tough style. They'll have some three-point shooters as well. They won't be as athletic as uh, Louisiana Tech, but they'll be a, it'll be a battle and it'll be a heck of a good game. Uh, CSU will be favored very similar, probably seven, eight points. They're going to have to do a great job defensively of making it hard for, for, uh, the two guys. Uh, one of them's last name is Calvin. I can't remember the name of the other guy, but, uh, the guard, they're going to have to do a good job keeping him, forcing him into tough mid range shots. And then the other guy is the wing who can fill it up and, uh, they're going to have to do a good job against him and then make sure they don't lose three point shooters, but it'll be a good game. Um, I'm looking for a next step, uh, a step up from uh, from CSU in this one, maybe to come out and play 40 minutes uh, instead of just uh, you know eight great minutes like they did last night. Well, you'll you'll have to cheer double hard because it's Willow's birthday party, so uh, I will not be able to make it up on Friday. Well, happy birthday to Willow! That's too bad. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday oh. to Willow. Why did why isn't her birthday party being held at Moby Arena? <laughs> well, it was for her seventh birthday, but now it's about Skate City. So, so we'll be doing that. Awesome. So, yeah. So it'll be it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, this should be a good crowd on a Friday night before a, a football weekend. Um, yeah. The crowd was decent last night. Students showed out, and I uh, expect the students to, as long as this team keeps playing. I think we'll see a lot of uh, a lot of students, especially leading into the. Uh, the St. Mary's and the CU games, which are coming up in a few weeks. It's a lot of good games coming up. It's going to be a fun season. All right, before we bring in Milt, let me pause and tell you about Ginger and Baker. Stop in for an amazing dinner at the Cash, where you can enjoy fine steaks and chops, good whiskey, and select from their award-winning wine list. By the way, they now have Whiskey Wednesdays, where all whiskey is 50% off including their Ginger and Baker Old Elk Single Barrel Whiskey. It's normally $18, but only $9 on Wednesdays. If you're looking for a more casual dining outing, check out the cafe. 
with a wide offering of American comfort food classics, or try something from the grab-and-go case in the market, which is stocked with all kinds of scratch-made breakfasts and lunches. Ginger Baker also features a coffee shop, event spaces, and a teaching kitchen, the latter of which has a ton of great events every month, all month. And to tell you how to make cocktails and special meals, check out gingerandbaker.com slash calendar for a full list. This place is amazing, guys. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. All right, super happy to have in this guest today, Milt Palacio, a former basketball grade at CSU from 1996 to 1999. In those three years, top 20 all-time and uh, multiple different scoring categories. He averaged 18 points per game in his senior year in 1999 and route to a first-team All-WAC honor. And uh, he's still third in career assists behind only Ryan Yoder and Isaiah Stevens, who Isaiah recently passed him. He's third in career steals at 147 behind only Pierce Horning and Kendall Moore. Uh, he signed uh, with the Vancouver Grizzlies out of CSU uh, as an undrafted free agent. Spent seven years in the NBA with several teams, played an additional six overseas before moving to the sidelines as a coach. And uh, he just went into the CSU Hall of Fame a couple weekends ago. He's one of the best I've ever seen play at Moby, the way you could finish at the rim and uh, the way he got his teammates involved, moving the ball around, setting up his teammates with good shots, much like our current point guard, Isaiah Stevens. And he also played some great defense. So, uh, Milt, we're super happy to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it, man. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Man, you said 99 made me feel a little old, but uh, it was good. It was fun. You're still younger than me. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, congrats on the Hall of Fame. What uh, what did that mean to you? Oh, man, it, it just it meant a lot, man. I think the biggest thing was just all the hard work, all the late nights, you know, putting in, uh, you know, putting in that work. Um, definitely at school, you know, uh, it's a lot of you know, sacrifices, you know, a lot of times you want to hang out with your guys, hang out with the boys, you know, club nights. And, you know, my, my, my roommate and I, you know, we were at the gym, you know, he was up here for the, the, um, induction. And we, you know, we, we reminisced on those nights, man, playing one-on-one, getting shots up, uh, just all the, the little stuff you had to do, the disciplinary things that you had to be to get to that point. And I think all that came back to me. So it was a little emotional when, uh, talking to Joe Parker, but, um, you know, I, I thought that, you know, maybe one day that I could. But, you know, like like I said, you know, during the induction, you know, you never go to school or you never go to CSU thinking that you're going to be a Hall of Famer. You're just thinking, man, let me get a scholarship and, you know, let me play, play some good basketball. And that's the only thing I tried to concentrate on. Hey, well, what are you up to these days? I saw that you are living up north. You're in Loveland and you got great family. And what are you doing for work? Tell us about all that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm training a lot of kids out here. Uh, start they, they want me to start an AU team. I, I'm not sure if I want to do that yet. A lot of kids that I train, their parents want me to kind of get after that. Um, I'm coaching the Belize um, 18U team. Uh, we're going to start recruiting. We're going to start doing some things with that, you know, flying around the country and seeing a couple of kids, you know, they, they, they qualified last summer. And now they wanted to bring me in. I was the, I was the, the uh, men's senior team coach, but that kind of went by the wayside. So now they bring me for the ATU, which I'm very humbled and very appreciative for. Um, still got my nose in the basketball. I uh, started a little tequila 
started a little tequila thing with with uh, with some good friends of mine, and I think that's kind of blowing up. Uh, got some things in, in in the makings with you know mindset and, and competitive nature with kids that we're gonna start putting together. So, um, got some stuff in the workings, but basketball that's, that's always gonna be my passion. Well, tell me more about this tequila stuff. Yeah, so I, I partnered with a tequila. It's called Voilo Tequila. Um, our CEO, he, he's our CEO. Matter of fact, he's from. He went to Rocky Mountain High School, which is crazy. And um, our the um, the GM that's under him, he was my high school teammate. So he kind of brought me aboard and made me kind of business development. And uh, I've just been trying to you know get it out, get people to to get it. Got some. Some pretty, some pretty big names that's out there trying to, you know, get the brand out there. Rizza from the Wu Tang, he's a, he's an investor, so he's been doing some stuff. We're, you know, we're, we're talking to people. We, we had dinner with uh, Patrick Sertain. We've been talking to Sophie Smith. So we're, you know, we've been, we've been trying to get it out there a little bit. It's Sophie Smith's dad, Kenny's a good, really good friend of mine. So Dave Taylor, definitely got to give you, send you guys a bottle so you guys can taste it and, you know, tell me your honest opinion about it. Yeah, we'd love to hey, man. share that at the tailgate. Yeah. I was gonna say, you know where our tailgate is. Do we play <laughs> home this weekend? Do we play home yes, this sir. weekend? We do. We do. Well, I will, I have a bottle here. I just went to San Diego. I brought a lot more bottles back with me. I will be at the tailgate with a bottle of Velo. <laughs> All right, hey, hey Milt. Hey Milt, real quick, did, Milt, did you play against Kenny when he was at Wyoming? I didn't. I missed Kenny. Kenny was above me a couple. He was a couple years before me, so I didn't. <laughs> All right. Hey, it will be featured at our tequila tasting event for Somo CSU next summer. Awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, definitely. We're going to do that, man. It's It's been fun just, you know, having a couple of tastes around town and, you know, getting it out there. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here in Loveland. So it's at Wicked Tequila here. I just we just got a new one in a double repo. So it, it's been rolling. It's been fun, man. And that's been really fun. So but I'm but. This weekend, I'm definitely gonna bring the, the reposado. That's my favorite, so I think you guys will enjoy it. All right, can't uh, can't wait, can't wait. Yeah. So you, you grew up in the LA area. You went to yep. Sierra High School. Yep. Um, and you were you were league MVP uh, twice. You were conference MVP, all city. You ended up at Midland uh, College in Texas. Uh, with your resume, how did that happen? So the, the biggest thing is is the uh with the, with the SATs. Um, I passed the SAT the last time that you can pass it the the the, um, the last one. So a lot of schools kind of backed off of me, didn't think that I was going to be able to pass it. A lot of schools also told me I could walk on and and things like that. Um, I I, I you know being a kid from from Belize, knowing my parents were, you know um foreign parents coming over here, and I knew that we didn't have the money to to walk on and things like that. You know, I always promised my parents that, you know, my sophomore year in high school, I said, you know, you're not going to pay for, for college for me. Um, so I'm going to put my mind to that and, and get at, get after it. The funny thing about Midland, man, my, I mean, my story is so crazy, man, because, and also I always tell kids, man, like you never stop believing, you never stop grinding because I was a throw-in. Like my, uh, they wanted my senior, they, I mean, they wanted my center on my team. And my coaches happened to say, hey, listen, we got a kid that passed it late. You know, you just take a pick, just take a look at him, see if you like him. But he passed the test late, so he only has one year to do at Midland. And uh, the coach was like, "All right, whatever." I went out there, we played. I, you know, I got after a little bit. 
I mean, that night at dinner, he offered me the scholarship and, you know, I took it home and I said, you know, I'll, I'll think about it. Um, and, and I had a couple of schools come in late, you know, want me to walk on. But I said, you know, Miller's giving me a full ride. I'm going to do that. And I told my parents, I said, we all sat down. It's crazy. We all sat down at dinner table. I said, listen, I'm only doing one year. I'm gone. And they were like, OK, we'll see. And and it was fortunate, you know, a couple months after that, Colorado State started recruiting me. You know, V started recruiting me. Uh, USC back at home started recruiting me. But I always told my parents I didn't really want to come home. I thought it was going to be too much distraction with friends and family. So and Colorado State said, listen, man, you you know, we'll give you the ball for three years. So I said, hey, that, that sounds good to me. Hey, you just answered the next the next question. No. <laughs> what, was, what your recruitment was like with Stu? Um, it's funny because I, I called my Juco coach, I called my Millen coach and said, Hey man, I, you know, I just wanted to tell him that, you know, when I, when I got in, uh, inducted to the hall of fame, um, he was just like, man, I'm so great. I'm so happy for you. You know, couldn't be a better person, but he said, did I ever tell you the story how you got recruited? And I said, no, he said, well, Colorado State came to watch the another guy on my team, coach Lawrence, coach, coach, uh, uh, God, his name is 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 is, is missing my head, but I will get it. I'll get it. He was at uh Utah State, the head coach, and well, what's what's his name? He Randy Ray. Randy Ray. I, I always get him and Lawrence Frank mixed up because they both short and they both scream. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Randy Ray comes to comes to Millen and he's recruiting a, a a teammate of mine. I don't know this. I'm just you know I might practice you know going hard, and my coach is like. And my coach said, well, we're looking for a point guard. And my Juco coach said, if you really want a point guard, that's the kid you want. You want Palacio. And Ray was like, his numbers aren't jumping off the pages. He's only averaging eight points. He's only averaging four or five assists. But then, then I didn't turn the ball over. And I was shooting maybe 37, 38% from the three. But he was like, listen, he takes good shots. He's going to run your team. He's going He's tough as nails. That's the kid. And Ray was like, ah, came back a couple weeks later, watched me practice, watched me play. And then they end up, you know, starting to started to recruit me. So that was a kind of crazy story that they, they didn't even come in the gym for my, for me. You know, they came in for one of my teammates. And and we, we, we you know, we um, I came here uh, nervous as hell for my recruiting visit. Uh, I knew just the biggest thing, and I wanted to go so hard. Um, I went so hard when we played. Um, and that morning, the next morning, Stu uh, offered the scholarship. But the thing was, my Juco coach told Stu, because Stu didn't like to go on road trips. He didn't like to recruit. So Stu told my my coach Rafferty told Stu, you better go see this kid's parents or he's not going. And Stu hit it off with my mom, and she loves Stu so much. And I just remember her saying, yeah, you're going to sign with Colorado State. And I – I was kind of leaning towards UNLV, but my mom loved Colorado State so much, and 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 it's crazy because talking to Spook, Spook Victor, he wasn't he wasn't I didn't play with him, but he played before me a year before me, and we went to lunch uh, probably a couple months back, and he's like Milt, when you came in there and played, I told Stu and them, you guys are wasting your time. This kid won't sign, and I said Stu, I said I said Spook, you know how nervous I was at that you know recruit visit, so. Those kind of stories to hear, man, is so dope, man. and it was fun. And we, me and me and Spook always laugh about that. That's yeah, awesome. you, you, Spook actually came to the tailgate last game. You were, you were a little busy. I'll, I'll let it slide. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a little busy. But this week, this week, I will be there. I promise you with a bottle, with a bottle of Boilo. <laughs> now, so you you stepped in as a starter immediately uh, your sophomore year. We had yep. you, Jamil Mahmoud, Chili, uh, Christy Anson, and Maddie Barnett. You yep. went twenty and nine, but then lost to SMU in the uh, yep. in the whack uh, whack tournament. Didn't get invited to a, a postseason. How how devastating was that? And, and what did that do for that next year and the year after? I, I you know what's crazy? It was really really devastating because we really thought we were going to get into that to the tournament because of a 2021 season. Uh, I just remember us in the locker room. We were all down, and we were sitting there like – and I think we went to go play Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we were we were down, man. We were hurt. But, you know, we just all looked at each other and said, man, you know what, this summer, you know, we got to take it very, very serious, and we got to come back, and we got to get better. Uh, we were really down that we lost to SMU being a favorite. I think we were the favorite going into that tournament. And SMU shot the – they shot the lights out. Um, credit to them. But um, yeah, we 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 were we were down. We, you know, we were hurting. But you know, one thing about I just can remember our summertime, man. Our summertime games, our summertime workouts were very very intense. Yeah, so that happened two years in a row that that we lost yeah. to SMU. Um, and then yeah, then you then you made it to NIT as as a junior. What was it like though going into your senior year when everybody graduated? And it was just you basically. Um, that was a crazy summer because. Uh, it's funny. Chauncey Billups reached out to me to try to transfer to CU, and he was like, "Listen, you're gonna be alone. CU, CU is gonna have a little team. X, Y, Z. You probably should go there." Um, that was kind of it was crazy because I was kind of weighing that, but you know, the, the portal and all that wasn't popular. And I, you know, my dad, he was kind of my dad was kind of strict. He was kind of listen, whatever you start, you go finish. So I kind of entertained it for a little bit, but um, then I get up. I'm I'm representing Belize national team in the summertime, and I get a call from uh, Richie McKay, and Richie McKay's like, "Hey man, I'm gonna be the new coach. How's it going?" Blah blah blah. He was like, "So what do you think?" I'm like, well, "I mean, I don't know what to think. Well, I guess we'll see. You know, we'll see when I get there." Because I was out of town the whole summer. I mean, I was in Belize traveling, you know, different countries and playing with the national team. So when I got here, me and me and, me and Richie, we, we hit it off really well. And you know his, his his biggest thing that I love how much he held me in high standards to to do to play well. You know, going to the media saying he has an NBA player and all this, and I'm telling him, shut up, no, you don't. I, I'm I'm okay, but I'm not no NBA player. Uh, me and him, we got after it a little bit about that. Richie's a really really religious guy, and he doesn't really like too much curses. So I got kicked out of practice a couple of times for cursing. But I mean, I got kicked out about 15 minutes later. Coach came to the locker room and said, Man, get your butt back in the gym. So it wasn't a, I didn't get kicked out the whole practice. Um, but, it, you know, I, I really got to give Richie that, that, um, oh, well, I, honestly, Stu also, because it, it, even though we played a system game and we played a system, Stu, I think that taught me how to be a point guard, how to look for different players, how to get guys involved, how to run an offense. When I got to it, when I got to the NBA, it wasn't as hard because they give you a thousand plays in the NBA. But with Stu, we had about 50, 60 plays. So it's not like I didn't know how to run an offense. So I have to credit Stu and Richie. I thought Stu helped me definitely with just being a point guard. And Richie was the one that gave me the confidence to shoot the ball. I remember my first uh, game, 
I think I had 11 shots and Richie looked at me and said, we'll never win a game with you shooting only 11 shots. But I wasn't the, you know, try to shoot a type of guy, but I, I got a little confident and, and got a little aggressive and it, and it helped and it helped me for my career. I'll never forget Stu with his three ring binder where he would open it up and oh, call, oh, call oh, the plays. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I this play you, right here. X-Wing 3. Hey, 33, baby. 33. <laughs> we looking for a shooter. <laughs> hey, uh, Milt, I saw you cre you credited Richie for, for being kind of the first person to make you believe you could be a pro. Tell us a little bit about that and how what he meant to you. He meant a lot, man. He 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 meant so much. Um, he was just, you know, he, he was a little young, too. So, you know, Richie would jump into practices with us play with up play you know in the in the scrimmages and things like that still can play called every foul I think that's why I got kicked out too because he called foul and I know I didn't foul him and I tried to go after him but um it, it was just so good how he really believed in me and that's one thing I could say he sat me down and just always used to tell me hey man I seen this guy play I seen that guy play you're just as good you're just and I used to always be like man like stop it like I, I never wanted to think that way I was just like let me just get through this college bas college basketball and I'll and I'll think about that after. You know, I always thought I was good enough to play in Europe, but to play on the NBA level, I was like, man, those guys are those guys are too good. They're too skilled. Um it's crazy because now kids every kid think that they can play in the NBA. And I'm like, you guys are it's amazing how you think it's that easy. And I was the one I was thinking that it was too hard to play in the NBA. So um he just gave me that confidence, man. And I think that the, the, I had a hell of a summer also going into my senior year. Um, I was able to go to the Michael Jordan camp and coach that camp. And Michael Jordan had just retired. It was, it was 99. He just retired. So he was just off his sixth championship. And he played with us. And I was playing with all the top guys in the country. Mike Bibby at that time, Miles Simon, Jason Hart, uh, Baron Davis, uh, Kenny Brown. You know, all the top guys were there. So – I kind of got my confidence there where, you know, I was going, I was, I was playing against those guys night in and night out and that helped me a lot. And then, like I say, I think the, the cherry, cherry on top, you know, was Richie just telling me, you know, a lot of things that I have to do for this team that's for us to win and for us to play at a high level. And I just tried to answer the call. So you, that your senior year, we make the run in the NIT. Yep. Um, <clears throat> it oh. includes beating down CU in Moby. Uh, uh, it was one of the loudest games I have ever been been to. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was that run like, and, and especially that game? It, it you know, it's crazy. It was a it was a hell of a run, and I was a little pissed because I got I got uh I got hurt at the Mississippi State game, and I tweaked my knee a little bit, so I had to wear a big old knee brace uh, against CU. But I wanted to beat them so bad, man. I never wanted to – I didn't want to lose to them because we lost to them, you know, early in that year in the preseason in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, pre game. And not – I won't say preseason, but the early games. Um, and I just wanted to beat them because, I, you know, everybody was talking about the other point guard, Jock Quay Walls, going to the NBA and things like that. And I wanted to just prove that I was good enough and I, that I could play on that level. Uh, Coach Pat uh, – Coach Patton – Great guy, always, always. We still, I mean, we talk to this day. Um, and I, you know, like I said, it was just really, we were really prepared for them. I think you, 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 I, you're right. Moby was the loudest that I've heard Moby at that time in IT. Um, and, and it was, 
it was a hell of a game. You know, I still have memories of the Cal game. I think we missed a layup with like 20-some seconds that we probably would have gone up by two. Uh, I remember us being down at halftime huge in that Cal game. And I came in the locker room and was like, these guys are dead. And we kind of looked up to Cal because they're in the pack two, they're in the pack 10 at that time. And, you know, we kind of we kind of gave them too much respect. And I and I kept telling the guys, I promise we get this game to about four to five points. They're gonna start, they're gonna start freezing up, which they did. Uh, and that was fun. And, you know, still some of the Cal guys on that team I see, and they're always, you know, talking about that game. So it was a hell of a run, man. I wish we would have gone to the, you know, we were able to get to the to the garden and play. And I thought that'd be really, really dope. Yeah, it, I mean, it was fun watching, fun being there. So that was now, you, you talked about your parents already. Uh where at in Belize are they from? They're from the they're from the south in Dangriga. So uh they're more south. Yeah, my my, my dad and my, my mom, they came over, you know, just trying to give trying to give their family. I'm I'm the last of nine kids, so it's a lot of us. So uh, you know, just trying to give us that just trying to give us that, you know, that, that level of playing field. That's okay. So that, that, what was it like representing uh your country in ninety nine and two thousand nine? It was it was amazing, man. It was amazing. You know, the, the, the crazy thing is when we won the um I wanna say in ninety six, no ninety seven, I think I can't remember, but what us winning the gold medal for the Caribbean games was such an it was such an honor. To this day, when I go back to Belize, it's a lot of the older folks, they're still talking about that. They're still talking about how crazy that gym was. Um just wearing that jersey, just just the journey that my parents went through, man, the, the, the different things that they went through with trying to get here and trying to get a better life for their kids. You know, rep, wearing that jersey was very, very sentimental to me, um, to my family. Even my kids, they love it. They still wear a Belize Palacio jersey. Um, it, it, it was dope, man, because, you know, a little country like that, for us to make some noise at that time, we end up, we even end up beating Puerto Rico, and Puerto Rico was kind of, you know, ranked in, in in the rankings. Um, it was it was fun, man. It, it it was it was amazing. It was a hell of a ride. All my teammates were great, man. It, it was just fun to be that leader for them because they all I know they all looked up to me. But I always just made sure everybody was okay. Everybody was scoring. I wasn't, you know, the main focus of that team. So that was fun. That was that was so much fun. And did I see I mean, your people? Is your son playing in Belize right now, or he played last year? He, he played last year. He played last year. Yep, he played last year. And it's funny, man, when you get that call one day, he's, he called me halfway through the season. He's like, Dad, it's crazy how everybody just sees my last name and hear my last name and just they just they just read out the red carpet for me. And he was like, but <laughs> he was like, th- he was like, thank you. It's not even because how good you were. It's just how you treated people. So that was a good call to hear. Uh, last year in San Pedro, man, they were talking about you. San <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pedro, they were talking. Yep, yep. So love San Pedro, man. I love, it's crazy because my dad used to live in San Pedro. He's, he was a teacher in San Pedro for years, so he taught a lot, a lot of older people that's you know out there doing their thing now. So it's good. Well, hey, Mel, you played um, seven years in the NBA. You were with six different yep. teams. Yep. How tough was that? I mean, that's that's six different coaches, six, six different systems. Six different cities. Like, how was that for you? I say it's. Ne- I say it's never too. I say it's never too tough when you when you're in the best league in the world, uh, and when you're around the best players in the world, it's never too tough. You you can adjust to anything as long as you got that that uh you know you got that 
NBA logo on your chest where you've been thinking about that since you were a kid. I could have played with 19 different teams in four years. It wouldn't have mattered to me just playing, just for me, being with the best players in the world, playing against the best player in the world. Um, you know, you hear, a, you hear, a, I heard a stat, I think like a couple of weeks ago, somebody said it's, there's only been like 5,200 players to ever play in the NBA. So to be in an elite class like that, you know, it, it wasn't tough at all. It it was just, you know, amazing time in my career to be to look at some guys that you always looked up on TV, watch them play, being side by side. I remember I can still remember the my first game playing the Blazers, looking across, seeing Scottie Pippen and Rasheed Wallace and and uh Smitty and and Damon Stoudemire and those guys, that team that lost to the Lakers. Um so it it it's amazing. I have some amazing teammates, you know, from the likes of Darren Williams to, to Vince Carter to Jalen Rose to, to Boozer. Um, you know, it, 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 it was amazing. The Paul Pierce's, the Antoine Walkers, you know, the Mike Bibbies. It, it, it was great, man. It was, you know, you think of it as a kid, you never know if it's going to be a reality. But, you know, to get there and to compete with those guys and, and to just get better every year, it, it was it was it was a dream. Hey, hey, Milt, uh, sticking with your career in the NBA, um, out of all the teams you played for, what was the favorite team you played for? Um, I have to – I hate to admit it, but it's the Celtics because I, I, I grew up a Lakers fan. Uh, <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know, I was a big Lakers fan. It was crazy. I used to send shorts and T-shirts and sweaters home, and none of my friends would wear it, but it's okay. Uh, I think to this day they, st- they said they still got tags on it. But, you know, I, I think just with the – just with the history of that organization and just knowing that, man, you know, seeing a lot of greats, you know, it was just the atmosphere. The fans are crazy. I went to a Lakers game last year, Lakers-Celtics. I took myself to a Lakers-Celtics, and about 20 Celtics fans ran by me. It was like, hey, man, hey, is that Miracle Milton? And it's crazy. Like, they still remember that. They still remember the shot and everything. So it's it, it's it's – Boston is 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 a special place. Always gonna be a special place in my heart. You know, even though I was a Lakers fan, you know that that rivalry is is real. When you become a Celtic, you you start to hate the Lakers, which sucks. But um, you know, I thought the biggest thing is just those those Hall of Famers and those legends coming back in the locker room, just sitting next to uh, Bill Russell talking to him was amazing. That's that's awesome. I grew up in Philadelphia, so I was. I was bred to hate the Celtics. Of course, of course. Uh, but uh, but obviously, uh, obviously respected them because they used to win the championships every year when I was uh, when I was young, with guys like yeah. Russell and uh, Sam Jones and Casey. I could go through that whole Havlicek yeah. as the sixth man. That's oh, unbelievable yeah. history back there. Oh, so yeah. so in all those all those all those years, who was your favorite teammate? Who 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 did you really enjoy playing with? It, it, you know. Um... I'll say two. So Paul Pierce was really one of my really favorite favorite teammates to play for. He's a little crazy. He's a little crazy at times. But his work ethic is unbelievable. We played one-on-one every single morning before practice. And for a guy like that who didn't have to, that just tells you how much he wanted to win and how much he wanted to perfect his craft. And, you know, we grew up together. We grew up together playing AU ball from nine years old and on and playing in high school together. So we kind of knew each other, but – just know, seeing his work ethic, playing 42 minutes one night, coming to practice, ready to play, ready to play again, ready to practice, and the coach telling him, no, you got to sit out, was was crazy. And he's just like, okay, Milt, let's go on the other side. Let's play some one-on-one. And 
things like that. And I would say Vince Carter, man, it was really, really good friend of mine. Uh, Vince was at my wedding. Um, just a really good guy and just a really good overall guy. And Vince really didn't really didn't look at himself as a superstar. I mean, he, sometimes I, I used to always say, Ben, do you know how good you are? And it was crazy. But um, just, you know, him just being a, a really good person, I thought that, you know, I love that because as much as you, you know, you're an NBA, you're a big-time celebrity, you're big-time this, you, whatever. If you're a good person, I always kind of gravitate to that. So, so uh, Carter and Carter and Pierce, two of your uh, favorite teammates. How about in terms of opponents? Who who was the toughest uh, opponent you ever had the opportunity to guard? Uh, like? I always say the top three. My top three would be uh, Alan Iverson, Stephon Mary, Stephon Marbury, and Steve Nash. Uh, three three very very talented guys in their own ways. Nash because he could shoot the ball. You always have to be on your P's and Q's rated for him to guard him from the three-point line to to the mid-range. Stephon Murray, just so explosive, man. The kids, a lot of kids don't understand how good he was. Uh, and not an Iverson, of course, that's just a legacy of him. But just how fast he was and how explosive he was and how, I mean, at 6'1", 6'1", how he could take over a game was crazy. It, it, was, it was just amazing to be out there with those guys, but to guard them and to have that, to have that job that night, you know, it was a lot of sleepless nights and me trying to get to bed early. <laughs> I can't imagine trying to guard Iverson. I saw Iverson <laughs> play his rookie year when he was with the, uh, when he was, when he was with the Sixers. Yeah. Uh, I saw him play a game down in, uh, in Washington. Yeah. And I was amazed. The guy was crazy. He threw his body around. He played a hundred laps oh. an hour. And what an incredible basketball player he was. I can't imagine trying to guard a guy like that. Just super fearless. And, you know, it, you have scout reports on guys. For me, my thing, the biggest thing guarding him was just not letting him put the ball in his right hand. But that's easier said than done. So, uh, you know, it was a lot of times screaming help and, you know, trying to get after him. But it was fun, man. You know, to this day, I think I saw him a couple of years ago and he always just respects it, man. You were, you were a tough SOB when you guarded me, so. Hey, you brought up the miracle milt moment. Can you break that down for for anyone who has not seen that? By the way, just go to YouTube and and search miracle milt. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just an amazing play for the Boston Celtics against the Nets in yeah. two thousand. Break that down because that was truly stunning. You know, it's crazy because, and, and it's it's funny because I always understand. Well, like when I watch TV and, and see these guys and they get into different little things, and I always say people don't understand what these players go to. People don't realize that I was on a ten day contract. I was on a 10-day when I hit that shot. So my 10-day was coming up in two days. And that's when they kept me around because they were like, okay, this little lucky bastard hit a shot. But <laughs> it's crazy. I was on my 10-day. I think I was on my eighth, maybe ninth day. And, you know, 1.8 seconds to go in the game. And I'm sitting next to Walter McCarty. And he's like, you know, coach is about to put you in. I was like, come on, man. This game is over. They're going to inbound and it's over. He was like, watch. He has a towel over his head, so, over his mouth. So he's talking to me. And two minutes later, uh, like 30 seconds later, Rick Patino looks up and screams, Mill. So I sit down. He's kind of laughing. He taps me. And Rick, Rick's just like, listen, if we steal it, throw it at the basket. I don't care what happens. And he was kind of drawing up what he think, well, what, you know, because in those time of moments, all our coaches, they kind of know what they're going to run because they have to have that all broken down. So they're like, listen, they're going to do this. He's like, Mill, you're going to be on Stefan. He's going to try to push you around and then get open. So I was like, okay. And it, I mean, like I said, 
basketball is it's it's a little it's a it's a little bit of skill and it's a lot of luck too. So you know, I happen to see the ball right there and I grabbed it. And the craziest thing is that Paul Pierce was so wide open. If you look at that, but I kept thinking that 1.8 clock in my head, and I was like, I no way I could pass it to him. And I threw it up. And I'm not going to even take credit for it. It was luck, but it was a hell of a play. And it's still getting recognized to the day, so I'll, I'll take it. I love it. Probably probably didn't have to buy a drink in that town for a little while after that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. Milt, 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 I'm going to give you some advice. You need to you need to start saying you knew the shot was good as soon as it left your hand. <laughs> I know. I know. But that's me. I know. I just – it was a little luck involved. So it was, it was fun, though. It's fun. Hey, well, uh, after your NBA career, you went overseas and yep. uh, played in Serbia, Greece, Spain. It stints in Puerto Rico, Israel, Lithuania. What were uh, what were uh, what was your favorite stop there? Would you say you got to see some pretty cool parts of the world? I, I would say Spain and Serbia, and the reason why Serbia, you know, was my first stop. Partizan, it's unbelievable how crazy that place is. How 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 much they know basketball. How much they love basketball. Um, Excuse me. Um, getting to see Joker play when he was a young kid, you know, they're pointing out to me who he was before I even before the world saw him. Um, that so competitive, so it, it was to the point. I think we lost one game, and I went to go eat lunch, and people were like, uh, "What are you doing out? You guys just lost." So that was kind of crazy little feeling. You don't get that feeling in the in the states much. Um, and Spain, I would have to say, because we won the we won the Spanish title. Uh, being underdogs against Barcelona, a team that should have won it, but we came in and won it. So I definitely have to say put Spain up there as one of my tops because we had an unbelievable, te uh, unbelievable team and we played so hard and our coach pushed us to the limit. So it was fun. I mean, some, you know, other spots, Israel was 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 really nice. Uh, Puerto Rico is, is a very, very nice place to play basketball. But, you know, when it's with the, with the level, with the levels of, of high level basketball, Serbia, Puerto Serbia, and Spain are the ones that's up top. Is the game much different over there? Or is it at the end of the day, basketball is basketball? No, it's a lot much different. You can play zone. So I always think, you know, just like Luca and, and Joker said, how it's much harder to score there. It, it is a lot harder because the NBA is so much wide open. And now you can take guys one on one. They don't. They can't. They don't zone as much in in Europe. You can zone. You can zone all you want to. Uh, a lot of I really had to develop an outside jumper because a lot of people zone me a lot. So um, it's a tough game. I always say Europe is kind of like a high-level college game that the guys are very, very skilled. Uh, but you can see the world's catching up now. You see, you know, the Spain is top three, Serbia's top two in the world. So you, you can see the, world's, the, the, the world is catching up to the U.S. And it's a very, very competitive, hell of a league. Well, just a couple more for you here before we let you go, bud. I really appreciate your time, but uh, it's it's been great seeing you around campus a lot more these days. And um, yeah. I understand your your daughter is your cheerleader at CSU. Yep. Yeah, she's That's a cheerleader at CSU. She's she's having fun. She's having the time of her life right now. She's kind of it's kind of hard for her to kind of balance cheerleading in, in, in school because she's she's doing the vet program, but uh, she's loving it and it's fun. It's just fun to be there for. Her. You have four kids. Yes. How what ages? Uh 24, 21, 18, and my my little girl is 13. That's fantastic. That's who runs yep. Good for you, buddy. Good for you. Yep. Thank you. All right. So I got I always ask our guests, first time guests, 
about food from where they're from. So uh-huh. where's where's the best place to get a fry jack at? Oh man, uh, that's tough. I I would have to say, I would have to say it would be it would it would have been my mom's was the best. But now in uh, in Belize, I'm not sure exactly where. Um, I mean, now everybody you can get them, but a lot of places. I think it's a place. It's like a Garifuna restaurant. <clears throat> it's on the water in Belize City, and I think you definitely can get some good ones there. So I would say that. All right, all right. I have to hit it up next time I'm there. What is a fry jack? What is a fry jack? Uh, it's it's. It's it's kind of like our pancakes, uh, but it's just a little fried and a little doughy and a little less doughy, uh, more, a little more hollow. But it's it's pretty much our pancakes. We have we had a running joke um, in my family that my mom was like, okay, because they call it pancakes too. My mom was like, I'm gonna make pancakes this morning, and she put the fry jack on the table, and I started crying. I was like, I don't want Belizean pancakes. I want American pancakes. <laughs> so. <laughs> My sister and my brother, they still kill me to this day with that with that story. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, and then we were in school at the same time. Uh-huh. Where were your go-to bars? My go-to bar was Sweet 52, I think, because, you know, yeah, <laughs> Sweet. Chuck, yeah Chuck, Chuck ran that place, and I kind of knew Chuck, and DJ Sabotage was a DJ there, so – that was kind of my place. I wasn't really, like I said, I didn't really get crazy. First time I got really plastered drunk was my senior year. I, I was 21 years old, man. I think it was, I think it was a, a Long Island and a half or maybe two. And uh, <laughs> and that was it, pretty much it. I, I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't really out there like that. Like, I didn't really go out too much. I tried to go out with the guys just to, you know, have that team bond stuff, but for me, I was, you know, I was in the, I was in the basketball. I remember Matt used to always say, "Hey, I'm, I'm inviting you out, but I know you're not coming no way." So, <laughs> well, who wants, who wants to hang out with Maddie anyway? <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, last thing, Milt, are you around the current program much? What are your thoughts on uh, where this program's heading? Really good. Um, I was at practice. I want to say last week. Uh, I think the uh, Nico's, Nico's, he's a great guy, man. He's so good. He's tough. The way they run practice, the way they do things there, man, it's so dope. Um, Isaiah, he's an unbelievable player, man. I mean, you know, he, he's he's been around the program for a while. To be started as a freshman, still doing it. Great player. You know, he tested water last year a little bit. Now he can see what it takes to make it, come back this year, be dominant. You know, hopefully next year he gets that call and goes out there and play and be able to represent Colorado State on the NBA level. Um, I think the, I think it's so dope. Uh, but you know, Nico invites me to all the practice. Sometimes I just like to watch. Go watch. Go in there and watch them practice. And you know, still a little, still a little things for my eighteen and you to uh, eighteen and under team. But uh, the thing is, you know, they're so welcoming and the guys are great. So I love it. That's good, man. We're all excited about basketball, and it's going to be a good year. All right. Well, that was Milt Palacio. Milt, thanks so much for your time, buddy. Really good talking with you and catching up. That will wrap our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great rest of your week. Get out to the basketball game Friday and get to the football game Saturday. Let's do a little double dip, get a couple wins. Thanks for listening. Go Rams.